Hello and welcome to the Common Good Podcast. The podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Alan O'Neill, the GCU's Director of IT, to talk about how the university has moved to remote teaching and working. Alan, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Thank you very much for having me, Craig. How have you found the last few weeks, Alan? Gosh, surreal is probably the first thing that comes to mind. Um, It's been challenging technically, which is good, but organisationally probably a bit more difficult. Overall, um, I'd suggest it's been bloody hard work. (laughs) I I can't help but notice you've got a bit of an accent there, Alan. Can you you tell us about yourself? Tell us about your background. Uh, Yes, um, I'm born and raised in Australia. I've got university qualifications in engineering, computing and business management. And I've worked in various areas of IT delivery and management for my 35-year career. How did you find yourself working at Glasgow Caledonian University? My wife was brought up in Ayrshire. Um, and so we moved to Scotland four years ago to, um, um, well, basically family reasons. So I was fortunate when we first moved here that I, to pick up a two-year contract as digital transformation manager with the South Asia Council. And that gave me a really great introduction to Scottish public sector and education. Um, I then, at the end of that contract, uh, the IT director's role at GCU came up and I was fortunately offered the role and I've now been at GCU for a year and a half. You said, Alan, you've got 35 years of experience sort of working in computers and engineering and business management. I can't imagine you'll ever have experienced anything like you've experienced over the past two months. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It's, it is um, absolutely nothing that anyone could have possibly experienced in their life before. It's uh, something absolutely new that I've uh, not that I've never seen anything like. So no, it's new, different, difficult. Yeah, definitely. We'll jump back, Alan, about two months from now to the point that when we realized that we couldn't continue to work on campus anymore, at what point did you come up from an IT perspective and think, well, we're going to have to take the campus to remote working? Well, it was really the first week of March that this this whole social lockdown um, uh, situation looked to be on the cards. It was becoming apparent in the press and uh, general industry communications to expect that we're going to have a full social lockdown and, and uh, an industry lockdown. So it was the second week of March, I seem to remember, that the Chief Operating Officer, Susan Mitchell, brought her team together to start really... Um, a detailed plan for a campus shutdown. We'd been getting a trickle within IT, we'd been getting a trickle of requests for equipment to support remote working, but we at that time had no standard response or or an approach to provide what they needed. So Susan gave us a direction of do whatever is needed and that's where we started. So what happened after that then? Susan's giving you direction, what happens next? Well, um, I guess the, 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 the first thing that we do under those situations is we, we, we've got a really solid crisis management process within IT. And, and obviously IT, because it's such a business critical function, if, if the IT stops working, then in a lot of ways the business stops. So, so we regularly run crisis simulations uh, internally and the IT team 
I'd say regularly, hopefully not too regularly, um, we have to resolve IT failures that could actually have a business continuity impact. So, so we have what I think is a really good constructive and rigorous process for handling these types of events, and that's what we kicked off. We started our incident response process at that point, uh, twice per day stand-up meetings um, with the broader IT management team, um, moving to once per day once the major response was in hand. I can't say that there wasn't a very high level of anxiety when we first started mm. off, but the response, I believe, was really measured and, and it did end up being effective. From what you said, it sounded like your team were very prepared for the, the challenges that this process would entail. Well, the great thing about um, when you bring the people involved together in a meeting with a, with a single focus is that it, I don't know, use the word synergy, where, where um, the, the, the sum of the individuals or the, the result is larger than the sum of the individuals. So, so there were ideas, there were issues being brought to the table for other people to help solving. Um, and ultimately, the, everything that needed to be resolved was resolved. So what are some of the big challenges that you faced during a project like this? Oh, gosh. Um, the huge, huge challenges. Uh, the biggest fundamental challenge in these situations is communication. Um, so so put, put technology aside, but basically because of it's, it was such a business-wide, the whole university was, was so, suddenly put into this situation where we, where we needed to react and respond. Everyone was trying to talk to staff, to students, to uh, get information from different people, uh, kick off processes, change the way of working. Everything was, was happening at once and that, and that messaging that needed to happen to bring everyone together and be focused on what we're trying to achieve is, is, is one of the biggest challenges in these, these situations, making sure the messages are going out, but that the messages are consistent and ultimately not overwhelming to all the people who are trying to receive those messages. I know that you know everyone's inbox filled up. They were getting three times the number of email messages during mm -hmm. that time than we would normally get under um, normal circumstances. It also took a fair bit of time to get into a rhythm of how communication should work. So, so, so that the whole communications process was one big challenge. I think the other big challenge was this particular issue required us to leave site. Mm -hmm. And that in itself was a huge challenge because we had staff who were having to leave site without the technology, without the laptops, without the computing kit that they needed to do their jobs. And so we had the challenge of trying to get um, IT kit to people in their homes while they're working or trying to work from home. And so transport companies had stopped working, so we couldn't. Yeah put it onto a courier, we, we, you know, it was, it was, it was huge. And, and that was probably out of anything. That was one of our biggest challenges when we first went to um, remote working. What are some of the associated security risks with working from home, Alan? In a lot of ways, security when you're working at home is no more or less of an issue when you're working in the office. Um, um, we, Okay, we, put, we, we do put some technology in place to help us with our security on campus. We've got firewalls on campus, but students 
bring their own technology to the campus. So they bring their own laptops. We can't control what they bring onto campus and we don't want to be trying to do that. So, so the malware that could enter by a student coming onto campus with, with, with an infected laptop will always exist. So, so we have a fairly solid um, border protection within our core systems that will always be there, but people are using it from home or people are using it from campus, it tends to be the same issues. Mm-hmm. Realistically, the, the, the two big things that we're most worried about is malware and phishing. So, so, so those emails that you get that say, click on this link and they steal your, your credentials or they install malware onto your computers, biggest issues. And then subsequently, the, the, the um, security issues that arise from having fallen for that malware or for that phishing campaign um, and coping with that. So the guys, are, the guys have been um, constantly monitoring the system for those two activities and continuing to address them, damp out the, stamp out the fires when they, when they occur, and they do occur. Certainly, working from home, the process seemed to have run really smoothly from when we were told we could no longer go onto campus. To almost going to business as usual, for me, it seemed only a matter of days. Were you surprised at how quickly and how smoothly it all went? I guess I was surprised, um, although not, not surprised. So, so from an IT department, we often get called upon to work from home. Um, the IT systems don't get turned off overnight. We, we, we run a 24 by 7 campus. The, um, so, so, so our team are used to working from home. We the university as a whole tends to run a flexible working approach so that if, if someone needs to be able to work from home rather than be in the office, we have support to allow them to do that. So the technology we have in place or uh, and continue to have in place is um, very supportive of staff working from home. We'd recently run, uh, 12 months ago, we'd, we'd run a program to give most of our academic staff laptops because they needed to be doing digital assessments and having mm-hmm. one-to-one interviews with students and they needed the flexibility to do that at times that better suited both the staff member and, and the student. So, so probably about 80% of our, our academic staff already had laptops and already had the capability of working from home. So, so you're right. The you know the move to working from home probably took about three days from when we had start to from the IT department was the whole department is now working from home. So for, uh, early early Wednesday morning we said we're now starting to work from home. By close of business on Friday, the department was working from home. Now, that is not necessarily the way that all, all of the departments work. Some of the departments had a lot bigger challenges in moving. We were ready. A lot of other departments were ready. Some of the departments took a bit longer because they didn't have the equipment. They didn't have the working practices that, that enabled um, a smooth working from home situation. But it was very, very fast. What about the students? How have they adapted to remote learning? I have to say, you know, it's probably for for both the teaching staff and the students. This move has been the most challenging for the, for, for those guys. I I believe I, I'm I'm not a teaching I'm not in the teaching staff. I'm not a teacher, and I don't prepare teaching materials. Um, we look after the systems and or help to look after the systems that are that are used for teaching, 
and the usage of those systems has obviously um, uh, gone up orders of magnitude. The feedback that I've seen from students and staff for the technology that helped them do the online teaching and learning has been very good, not without its problems, mm -hmm. but I think the tools that we that GCU has in place to support online teaching and learning are as good as you'll get across the industry. So we're two months into the lockdown, Alan, when you kind of take everything into consideration, how successful do you think everything has been and how we have been able to uh, have business as usual, as it were? Gosh, it's hard to believe it's two months. Um, yes, it's it. Look, I, I, I think everyone at the university, both staff and student need, uh, students, need to be very proud of themselves for what they've been able to achieve in this sort of period of time. Certainly, the end of tri trimester B hasn't been the best experience for the students or the staff in, in, in the way that that's ended up. We've, we've struggled delivering assessments. The sudden move to online uh, teaching materials where they were expecting to give face-to-face -face, um, uh, lectures or, or, or teaching was so sudden that it would be very, very difficult for, for uh, um, academic staff to, to make that transition very quickly. But they've done it and they've done it well. The challenge that we now have is how to prepare ourselves for the start of trimester A okay. 2020. So, so obviously, a lot of things needed to be changed at the last minute for, 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 for the end of trimester B. The um, computer labs were no longer accessible and that's where a lot of the software was for them to do their uh, some of the teaching work and the lab work and the, and the, the um, project work that they, they would normally have to do and that was no longer accessible. So, so they've, they've got to pick up that gap. Um, and so suddenly we, we, we're trying to figure out a way to make those labs remotely accessible to students for the start of trimester A. And, and the, basically this, there's so much work now to prepare for trimester A uh, 2020. So we've, we've got computer labs with quite um, bespoke software and hardware that is needed for teaching the programs that are uh, the courses that are that are, are being taught and students if we've not got access to the site or to the computer labs they need to be able to access that software that specialist software off campus so we need to suddenly make that all of those computer labs and I think we've got about 50 different labs available to students remotely and that's a challenge. What we're, one of the things we're trying to do is allow students to use their own computer devices as they, um, are, rather than having to use the university's computer devices in labs, but not every student has an appropriate laptop or computer for running the software that they need to for their course. So how do we resolve that? There's, there's, there's still quite a number of technical issues that we need to resolve and we haven't got the, all the answers for those yet. But you'll have them by the time the new trimester starts? I've, I've been um, told I'm going to have it a lot earlier than that because the uh, <laughs> academic staff need to have made sure that, that they are ready to, to start delivering their programs. So, so the technology needs to be in place within weeks. How do you think the coronavirus pandemic will fundamentally change the way we work at the university? 
it's it's kind of funny that that um, um, one of my previous jobs was uh, called uh, digital transformation manager uh, with the South Asia Council, and what we'd been trying to do is put more and more services online, and it was actually really very very difficult to do that. That that the the fundamental feeling that everyone had is that they wanted face-to-face -face con contact. They don't want to, to do these things online. We need to be not trying to put everything online. And that was a hard, a hard um, thing to shift. Within the university, there was this, this idea that, that, oh, it's too hard to make that job work, be able to work from home. You need to be on campus to do that job. Now, suddenly, over the space of weeks, we've gone from no, you can't really work from home. Two, everyone has to work from home. Mm -hmm. And it's it's why can't you work from home? So so that digital transformation that that throughout industry we've been trying to achieve for years now, within weeks has been achieved through a global pandemic. And that's that's quite incredible. If you if you're gonna say from from an IT perspective that there's any positive outcome from this mm -hmm. is that we've been able to achieve something that we've been trying to achieve for five, 10 years now um, and not doing quite so easily. So I think, I think as a, for the future of the university, what we're seeing is a, an expectation that working from home would, will be a bit of business as usual. Mm -hmm. so, so, so there's, there's no reason it, I look across my department and very few of the staff actually need to be on campus on any regular basis. There's still a, still a connection that you want to maintain to the university, to the campus. You know, we, we are a campus-based university and it, and it is a special part of who we are and what we are. But that doesn't mean that you need to be there seven hours a day, five days a week, continuously. So, so I, think, I think we have fundamentally seen a shift in expectation and ways of working right across both the support functions and the academic functions at the university. Just touching on what you've said there, Alan, it sounds like it's a, there's a real community spirit. Everyone across the university has come together. How important are the people fundamentally in making this shift possible? The people are the most critical part of, of this. We, the technology alone could not have seen this success that we've, we've seen at the university that everyone's working together, there's problems arising, issues arising all of the time, but we work together to resolve those issues. We find a solution, we work with each other, we communicate, we respect each other's opinions and, and directions and, and needs, and that's all coming together. I think, it, I think it's a clear reflection of our uh, university ethos of, of the common good and university community in delivering that it's um um i i call it the 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 piece that makes it all happen alan i thoroughly enjoyed talking to you there thank you very much for your time today i appreciate being asked thank you no the pleasure was all mine and i'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode and i hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be talking to another member of staff from glasgow caledonian university in the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been The Common Good Podcast.